Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. This includes animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia, and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available via the 3CR and Freedom of Species websites, with all podcasts being available via iTunes. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and on today's show, I'm going to tell you about a new direct action initiative in Melbourne called Anonymous for the Voiceless. You might have seen them in the CBD in recent months on the weekends. They only got started in April this year, and what they do is they arrange themselves in a square facing outwards with each person silently holding a laptop that screens looping footage of factory farming. And they're all dressed in black and wearing those Guy Fawkes masks, you know, the ones from the V for Vendetta movie and more recently and significantly from the Worldwide Anonymous movement. That's a capital A. Anyway, I'd heard of them before, but then I saw them by chance last weekend as I was leaving the Melbourne Chicken Save Rally. The sight of them is quite foreboding and I was instantly intrigued. So I got hold of Paul Bashir a few days ago for a chat on Skype. Now, Paul's a co-founder and director of Anonymous for the Voiceless. And he's also a plant-based nutritionist on the side. You're sacrificing a large part of your day every week doing this. What compels you and the volunteers to do this? Um, where could I start? The screaming of a pig who is terrified in a sow stall somewhere? I guess I could start there. I'd be out there every day if I could. I'd be out there every minute if I could, but I mean, in fact, that was one of the one of the things that I set out to do was to be out weekly. I don't know of any other campaign in Melbourne, a vegan campaign that operates as frequent as we do. And even at this point, I still want to be more frequent and more consistent because if we're only out there for three hours a week, imagine, and we're having great responses from the public. Imagine how many people are out there, really, that are open to going vegan. There's so many people out there. And um, I, what motivates me is knowing that those people are out there and that they just need to have one experience, one conversation that can lead them on their way. Paul, can you describe a typical action for Anonymous for the Voiceless? Tell us what happens. Um, an average day is we first get started. I brief everybody in the beginning. I let people know that this is a serious action. We're here to take action for animals. It's not a social gathering. Yeah, the reason why our actions um, 
impact the public so well and people respond to us so well is because we take it seriously and we, we act very professionally on the day. So I let people know that in the beginning and so that when we get started, um, that mindset is among everybody and we're all on the same page. So once that's sorted, everybody is, everybody shows up in dark clothing as per the request in our description of the events. And we all get set up in what we call the cube of truth, which is a square of our volunteers lined up, um, either holding a sign or a laptop or a tablet. And we line them up accordingly so that the aesthetic of the cube is appealing to the eye and creates curiosity in the bystanders. Yeah, we usually on average operate for three hours. Um, sometimes it's a little bit under, sometimes it's a little bit over. And we get mixed reactions, but mostly we get positive reactions and positive responses. We literally get non-vegans coming up to us and thanking us for being there. Quite a lot that happens. A lot of gratitude from the public. Um, granted, we get a lot of ignorance and we get a lot of scoffing and argumentative bystanders who just want to pick a fight and that's cool i'm always game to respond to those people and uh, we have farmers that come up quote-unquote farmers i call them harmers they come up and they um want to start arguing with us telling us that this is just isolated footage and um you know they kill their animals humanely etc so i take every opportunity to in their attempt to shame us to reverse the shame and to have them on their way because we have others who are open-minded and want to absorb the truth and i only want to target those individuals where is the footage from footage is courtesy of aussie farms and so it's so it's australian footage and it's current yeah it's within the last two or three years and it's local so it's either new south wales south australia victoria much of the footage is actually victorian and it's courtesy of aussie farms and so these responses that you you were telling me about you get lots of aggression and hostility and people scoffing at you are there any standout responses that you've got are there any really memorable responses that you've got that you could that you could describe yeah, there's a couple. Um, there was one guy that came up to us last Saturday and said that, um, no, and this was in the middle of a conversation I was having with open-minded bystanders. Um, he said, oh, that's nonsense. Cows aren't actually, they don't need to be pregnant in order to give milk. And I said, oh, okay, have you got a minute for me to prove you wrong or do you want to continue walking while I chat to people who are willing to, to actually have this conversation? Um, and he said, oh, um, well, I guess I am willing, you know, so I, because I said that, I let him know very quickly that I'm not going to have a shit fight on the streets with someone and waste my time with someone. While I had two people in front of me who were open-minded and, and were taking on the knowledge so well. So when, when I said that to him, he continued on with his argument and I just quickly said, well, I mean, how does a mammal give milk? without a mammal being pregnant. And he's, he didn't know what he was talking about. When he realized that he didn't know what the answer to that question was, he kind of just scoffed, mumbled a few words under his breath and walked off. And then one of the members, uh, one of the bystanders that I was talking to, 
at that time that was really taking on the information well. He took out his phone and Googled it to see if I was right or not. And turns out, obviously, I'm right. And so <laughs> he was, um, he developed more respect for me in that moment because I stood my ground against someone that was purely ignorant. Um, so it actually backfired on that guy. It turned out more positive for me because I was able to then build more rapport with those two people and leave them with some information. I think that seed was further planted, you know, because of that. So that was one individual. And then there was another, there was another situation at one of our demonstrations where a pharmacist came up to us and he wanted to argue. And uh, first of all, he had a problem with the fact that he felt that we were showing the public isolated incidences and sensationalized footage. And he came up and he said, you know, this is not the right way to do it. Your activism is not effective. You're shoving this in people's faces. And I just said, First of all, we're not shoving anything in anyone's faces. We're standing here on the streets and you've come over to us. Let's just remember that. And if our activism isn't effective, how come five people have gone vegan today and we've only been operating for an hour? You get people actually saying that they're going vegan then and there. Yeah, it's really powerful. I've never been to other rallies or demonstrations where I've actually seen that. People saying, on the spot, I can't eat meat anymore. And some people do say all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at, look at this, you know. They definitely take, take veganism seriously. Um, and we only tally those individuals that convey that to us at the end of our demonstrations. And we, um, we have a really high tally at every demo. It's, it still baffles me at every event. It's one of the most beautiful things to see. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's really, you can't ever know if someone's going to go vegan um, if they're going to stick with it or if they're even going to start it. But the best that we can do is to tally up the numbers of people who uncompromisingly commit verbally to us and say, all right, I'm going to go home and watch this speech and check these documentaries out. Um, you've given me something to really think about or they've asked lots of questions and they've had all of them answered. And our tally is actually very conservative because there are so many people who on their own come over, watch the entire footage, and at that particular time there wasn't anybody on outreach that could approach them and have a discussion because they were busy with VR or they were busy doing something else. And then they just took it upon themselves to walk over to the table, grab some information from the table, and continue on their day. I'm sure many of those people have actually gone vegan, and we just don't know about it. So our tally is conservative. In that. Yeah, that's that's the power of it. Sounds amazing. I'd like to um, be involved one time to see it for myself. Now, tell me, why the Guy Fawkes mask? Why the anonymity? And is that Guy Fawkes mask, is that just a convenient mask or is it a more significant message in there? Yeah, it is a significant message. It's definitely not a gimmick. The reason why we selected that mask is because it stands for something and that something aligns with our values. So... We also noticed that there wasn't any sort of badass activism occurring on the streets under Anonymous for animals. And I really find that to be an injustice because animal agriculture is the biggest injustice on the planet. And therefore, Anonymous should have a branch specifically for veganism. And I know that there are groups that are Anonymous for Animals. Um, anonymous for Animal Rights is one of them. And they have a website called challenge22.com, I think it is. And that's a website that helps people to transition to veganism, which is great. But 
I like I, I like the idea of direct action, getting out there and actually talking to people and and captivating people. So I didn't see any of that happening, and I just bridged that gap and made it happen. Um, we initially were inspired by the Earthlings experience. You've probably seen that happen globally, where people are showing the documentary Earthlings on their laptops, holding signs, and they wear a white party mask, which looks like Oh, it's really hard to explain what it looks like. It looks like a baby's face, but a lot more scarier. Um, and in fact, I find it creepier than the masks that we use. However, it's still effective. What they what they do is still effective, and I and I found it to be really appealing, a really appealing way of getting the message out there. So what I did is I wanted to start doing that here in Melbourne because I didn't see anybody doing it in Melbourne, and. On the first event that I created and hosted, my partner Asal and I went and, you know, we were in the process of putting together the first event. So of course, one of the to-dos was to go and get masks. So we went, had a look, had a look around. We even shopped online, and there were different, many different masks to pick from. And when we saw the Guy Fawkes masks, we just thought, well, this is a mask that stands for something anonymous, and we love that. We love that anonymous stand up for for human rights and fight against injustices. They also fight against animal rights, uh, for animal rights, I should say. And they also, they they stand up and they, they, they speak up and they fight to empower humanity and to save the planet. And I hope, I mean, at least I hope that that's what's going on. It's not just a, a big old, um, what should I say, uh, a false flag organization that's put together by the Illuminati or something. But nevertheless, we're in, we got inspired by that and we just decided to take the matter into our own hands. Anonymous isn't really an organization. Anybody is anonymous if you share their values and you fight against, you fight against injustice in the same typical manner that they would, I believe. But so what I'm guess, I guess what I'm saying is that we're not officially anonymous, but we are a branch that exists within anonymous because our values align with their values snugly. Yeah, we have many people coming up to us and they think, oh, wow, it's anonymous. I love these guys because they've hacked into Facebook or they've hacked into government. They really feel they feel like anonymous are on our side. That's one of the main responses we get, and people recognize that mask. We've never had anyone come up to us and say, I can't believe you guys are using anonymous masks to fight for animal rights. That's not what anonymous do. <laughs> This has never happened and it will never will happen because it, it, like I said, our values align with the values of Anonymous for the Voiceless Snuggly. Yeah, they do. Makes perfect sense. It's quite logical. And tell me, do, um, do kids come up and watch the footage? And, and is that okay when you see little kids coming up and peering into the, into the computer screen? What happens then? Is there, is there any responsibility that should, that comes with showing such graphic imagery? Yeah, good question. No, there's no responsibility on our part. We're there to show the people the truth. Um, we don't even have a sign that says warning graphic footage. The way we have approached this matter is that if parents don't want their children to see it, then parents can pull their, their children away from... We're, we're literally just standing on the street. We're not forcing this stuff on anybody. Um, in the same way that if a child walks past a retail outlet and they're playing offensive music... They're not, they're not breaking the law and the parents are able to keep walking and drag their children with them. 
This is our 10th campaign coming up this Saturday, and we've only had two parents complain. On the To the contrary, we've had parents that have walked up with their children and have wanted to engage and have let their children fully absorb everything that we're there to show. Just on the weekend, we had an awesome family who had three or four kids, and one after the other, they were putting on the virtual reality goggles. The father was so down to earth and so awesome that I chatted with him and I gave him a card and I I made him promise at the end of our conversation that he would show all of the documentaries on the card to the children and watch them with, you know, watch them together. So we get way more positive responses than negative when it comes to the um, the whole issue of children watching. You would be surprised how many children love to come up and see what's going on, even though it's horrifying. They're just so curious and they want to know. And, you know, if parents are going, if parents are happy to take their children to McDonald's, then there's no issue with us showing them what happens. There's far worse footage showing on primetime television. Yeah, and in video games, in uh, in movies, there's blood, there's gore, but, you know, as soon as we show people what they're eating or who they're eating, I should say, you know, then it becomes politically incorrect somehow. And we we definitely stand our ground on that because it's not it's not logical to hide this from children. I think it's very sad that children should have this hidden from them in schools and um, you know when they go into McDonald's or the like and on the menu they see a burger they really should be given a booklet or they should have footage displayed to them of exactly what goes into the production of that hamburger. I just think that's one of the things that annoys me the most about our current society and the way that things are set up because I would have gone vegan a lot sooner and that's the only thing that I regret about being vegan is not being vegan sooner. Yeah, yeah, I hear that a lot actually. The same applies to myself. So how long has Anonymous for the Voiceless been going on for? Well, this campaign coming up is our 10th campaign and we have been operating since April, so only three months. Right. And who typically participates in these protests? What's the, the typical profile of, of your volunteers? Oh, we get all walks of life, young, old. I'd probably say more females than males, but that's because veganism contains more females than males. Yeah, of course. Each demo runs for about three hours, right? How are the protesters feeling after that three hours? Usually slightly exhausted from standing in the same position, which is quite uncomfortable, and holding a laptop or sign. But they've witnessed the impact, and um, in the debrief, I give them a tally of how much impact I've recorded, or we have recorded, I should say, um, to let people know exactly how much their efforts have contributed to the vegan cause, you know, um, and they usually are elated by that. So... Yeah, we, we always have positive responses from the volunteers. We've only ever had one person that's um, that's actually had a negative, what should I say, a negative attitude, really, about everything that went on. And most people do say that they've gone from vegan to activist because of these campaigns. And that's another thing that I'm really proud of. Why do you think that this is more effective than other action types? Okay. Why do I think? I think because since I became an activist in June last year, all of the rallies and the other actions I took part in 
were just us standing somewhere holding a sign. And that, to me, is ineffective. I've never walked past a sign and thought, you know what, I'm going to change my life. I've never seen anyone at those actions stop and say, you know what, I'm going to go vegan based on the fact that that sign has pointed out an inconsistency in my moral behavior. <laughs> I've just never seen that. And I'm not, I don't say that to belittle the actions that take place because I'm always grateful for anybody that gets out there. Nobody's really doing it wrong. We just have to be out there as much as possible and we have to create as much vegan saturation as possible. But in terms of effectiveness, the reason why I think this is so effective is because we don't have any gimmicks. We don't chase people down. You know, we're not like the Wildlife Society or Oxfam in the streets that are trying to strike up conversations with gimmicks like handshakes and smiles and how are you today and, oh, what's that What's that you've dropped on the ground? Oh, no, I'm just kidding, blah, 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 how are you today? Like, we, we don't do that. We only let people approach us. We only give brochures to people that approach that approach the table and actually take one. We don't hand them out to anybody. Everybody that holds a laptop or a tablet is simply holding them for those who come over and watch. We don't walk up to them and shove a laptop in their face. And I think what that does is it creates psychologically a commitment on the bystanders' part and also an openness because once they, you know, as you may know, human nature is such that people want to believe that they have made a decision on their own. They're independent. They've made the choice to do something on their own. Um, they weren't tricked into it. They weren't, they weren't lulled into it. So in our actions, I think why it's so effective is people initially, they are curious and then they action that curiosity and then they, they commit to absorbing the information. And then when I, and I only approach people who have watched the entire footage from start to end and at the end of it, as they're done, they go to walk off and I, I strike up a conversation with them. I usually ask them how that footage made them feel, if they've ever considered being vegan, and if they realize whether their food choices contribute to what they've just seen or not. So, And, that, and those hardline discussions is what closes the deal in many cases. So uh, we also leave them with very succinct information in the form of a card or brochure that leaves them with some homework to do. And I usually get them to promise that they'll at least watch one of the free videos on YouTube that's listed on the card or something like that. So I get some verbal commitment as well from them. <laughs> it sounds like you're using some kind of almost like a, a marketing formula about, yeah. about closing deals and getting commitments. Yeah, because it is sales. Everything is sales in life. If you have to tell your children to eat their vegetables and they don't want to, you've got, you, you've got a job on your hand and it involves sales. So... Everything is sales in life, and, and there's, this is no different. You know, selling someone on veganism is no different, I believe. You know, you get buying signals from people, people who say, yeah, I hate animal cruelty, but I love my meat. That's a buying signal because they're already interested in veganism, but they just don't realize that they can still eat delicious food as a vegan, and that meat that they're stuck on, that they're addicted to, is not even in their best interest anyway. They just don't realize that in the moment. And you have to just draw that connection for them, connect the dots for them. And that's what sales, great salespeople do. I think great salespeople also take a value-based approach to sales. So it's not about just churning people over and making a buck because we certainly aren't out in the streets to make a buck. This kind of sales is where it's at because it's a value-based approach. 
It's not a monetary-based approach. And yeah, I think it definitely does require a sales approach because without that, yeah, I mean, we're just sort of hoping people go vegan. Now tell me about the abolitionist position that Anonymous for the Voiceless takes because some people argue that it's it's not helpful to the animal rights movement, that, that baby steps are more pragmatic and effective and useful. Can you respond to that? Yes. Uh, my very short answer would be that we would never behave that way in the face of any other injustice. And therefore, it is totally an injustice to expect that of this in respect of veganism. We would never tell someone, look, okay, currently you're addicted to being a racist. However, instead of going full-blown non-racist, what you should do is try and cut back. We would never say that. If somebody was a child molester, we would never say that you should try and cut back. So where it pertains to animal cruelty, and humans are animals, and therefore the cruelty that we inflict on animals needs to be considered equally to the cruelty that's inflicted on humans, wherever it may be inflicted on humans. It is just as serious and it's just as problematic and it's just as much as a, of an injustice. Therefore, no, nobody should be cutting back. Everybody should be realising that this is outright insanity and we all need to just stop. I refuse to compromise on that, on our values. Baby steps, no, no science or, or any sort of rational experiment has ever compelled me that I've ever come across to believe that Baby Steps works, that it gets people to go full-blown vegan. And I, I also don't believe that we just need vegans. We need, we need vegan activists. We need people to speak up about veganism because a lot of vegans actually make veganism sound difficult to others and, they, and they're very apologetic and they say things like, well, I'm sorry I don't eat meat. I'm very sorry to make you feel uncomfortable right now. About that, I'm... I just choose personally to not eat meat. I'm sorry if that's an inconvenience to you. Though I, I honestly think that's hurting the cause, you know, because it makes vegans and veganism itself seem like this sort of unattainable weird thing. But in, but to answer your question, the way I approach the whole baby steps and journey thing is that, again, I view matters of animal cruelty as serious as matters and perhaps even more serious than matters of human cruelty. So since we would never compromise on those other injustices that occur within our own species, we shouldn't be doing that with non-humans. Do you have plans or, or dreams of expanding and maybe having additional chapters around other Australian cities so you can reach all those other millions of people that are out there you know, waiting for that seed to be planted? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've already spoken to many people about that, um, people who want to set up interstate or internationally, and I'm more than happy to give them all of our tips and tricks to running these campaigns, all the things that we've learned along the way. Of course, the most vegan saturation possible is the ideal. Are these protests likely to end soon, or are you just going to keep going indefinitely? Uh, that's a good question. I am going indefinitely at this point. I'm taking off at the end of August. I'm planning. Um, I have to go overseas and I have to focus on other means of activism. Can you give us a hint what they might be? Any clues? 
Yeah, I'm I'm focusing on YouTube activism, online activism essentially, because I went vegan due to YouTube and I know that most people I talk to have gone vegan because of social media and I really want to tap into that. So I, I want to focus on that to make an even bigger impact. But these campaigns have been going so well and I'm so excited by how things have gone that I want them to continue. I'm just still at this point sourcing the correct individuals to leave it with. I'm inspired to come and join you. I, I want to come out there. I, I think it sounds amazing. I think what you're doing sounds so incredibly effective. It sounds um, also, it sounds, I don't know, intimidating. It sounds a little bit scary. Yeah, it is a little bit for first timers. Um, yeah, it is a little bit scary. But what I like to say in the briefing is that what we do is nothing in comparison to what the animals that we're fighting for go through. You know, it can't even be compared. But I do have a... I do have a system in place to keep people fresh on the day and to I and the safety of our volunteers is paramount to me. So if anybody's acting up from the public, um, I'm quick to act on it, you know, shoot them on their way. So yeah, it is intimidating to a certain degree because you're putting on a mask and you're showing people the truth and this, the truth is harsh. The truth is scary, but um, it needs to be done. It needs to be, we need to be speaking. We need to be, out there and no one else is going to do it. I think putting on the mask, for me, that sounds comforting. Like I think having without the mask, would it be even scarier? The scariness is also something is a bit motivating. You know, if, if it scares you, it's, there's, there's probably a good enough reason to go and do it. Yeah, exactly. And many people have said that they really enjoy the aspect of having anonymity during the campaign. Yeah, yep, definitely. I mean, I want to come and join you, and I'm wondering, I'm hoping that maybe some listeners might also feel inspired to come join in as well. How do we get in contact? What do we do to get to get out there with you? The best thing to do is to go over to our Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash anonymous for the voiceless. Once you've done that, go to our events. There's a tab, I think, on the public page. You click on the events tab, you'll, you'll see all of the up-and-coming events there, RSVP to the events that you're interested in joining, and read the description in the event and follow those instructions, and it's really quite simple. You just have to have dark clothing. If possible, a black hoodie would be great, and if you don't have a laptop or a tablet, that's fine. Please come along anyway. If you do, then use that tablet or laptop on the day but just follow the instructions in the event description on what to do with downloading the footage and you'll see the instructions there. And then just come along and, and uh, don't be late. Be there at 1 and we set up and get started around that time. So that's really it. And I guess the only requirement is that that you're able to stand still for long periods of time. Yeah, if you've got two functioning legs and um, at least one functioning arm, then please come along. It sounds fascinating, and um, yeah, I think you're going to see me soon. Let's take a tea break. Then I want to tell you about my own Anonymous for the Voiceless experience this weekend. This is the Thousand Eyes song that's used with the Aussie Farms footage. You're listening to 
3CR Radio. Join Parkinson's Victoria for a walk in the park on Sunday the 28th of August at Federation Square. Enjoy a leisurely four-kilometre walk along the Yarra River and plenty of entertainment. Bring your family, friends and pet pooch to show your support for people living with Parkinson's. Register today at melbourne.parkinsonswalk.com.au It's as easy as a walk in the park. A 3CR supporter. This is Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio and that last song was Thousand Eyes by Icelandic band of Monsters and Men. It's the track used to accompany the footage that's used by Anonymous for the Voiceless. Before that, we heard from Paul Bashir, who is the co-founder and director of Anonymous for the Voiceless, which is a direct action and public outreach initiative in Melbourne. So you know what? I did it. After that chat I had with Paul, I went and joined their action this weekend in Burke Street Mall in Melbourne, which was their 10th event. I first had to buy some black jeans from an op shop to be combat ready, but then I was good to go. About 15 to 20 volunteers turned up, I reckon, and about a third of them were first-timers like myself. So for the first hour, I was feeling all empowered and I was fist-pumping on the inside going, hell yeah, cop this. And then by the second hour, that kind of had petered into this earnestness, but like still with a steely resolve because I was going to ignore the cold and the stiffness in my legs because I've been, you know, you're standing still for three hours. So, you, you know, very cold, very stiff. But the whole time I'm thinking, you know, this discomfort is just an infinitesimal fraction of what factory farmed animals go through for their entire lives. Still feeling empowered, though. Then by the third hour, I was freezing and my knees were shivering and my fingers were going numb, which is a bit of a worry for the laptop that I'm holding. But, you know, I'm still still empowered and I am, you know, genuinely committed so as it turned out, it's not scary at all. Being behind a mask was comforting. And it's really a fascinating opportunity to just stand in one spot for three hours, a highly visible spot, but pretty much all eyes are on you, and just people watch. And it's it's really interesting to see up close the different reactions of the observers. Men would typically be watching the footage, and the footage is, you know, brutal, brutal scenes in abattoirs. But they'd be watching without flinching, be like maintaining an absolute poker face. While women's faces would be really expressive. They'd be clearly expressing their horror as they as they watch what's happening on the screen. And groups of young men and teenage boys would they'd typically be, you know, full of bravado and swagger and ridicule while young women and teenage girls would much more likely be affected by what they were viewing. And I didn't see any hostility. There were some idiots snorting like pigs a couple of times as they walked past, which they thought was hilarious. But, you know, that that was about as, as bad as it got. And I heard one of the volunteers behind me get challenged for wearing a mask and having it compared to Islamic State behaviour. But, you know, that was that was about it. Countless people took photos and heaps of people observed us from the other side of the tram tracks without coming any closer. And apparently by the end of the day, we were told this is when Paul debriefed us, by the end of the day, 28 observers had declared to him that they were going to go vegan. 
or at least they were going to seriously investigate it further due to this single event. Now, how incredibly effective is that? So I reckon if you're an animal rights activist or if you want to be one, I reckon you should give this a go. My only advice is just dress more warmly than I did. And I just have one last abiding memory, and that's of an elderly man who was watching the footage on my laptop. And then he he watched it, and then he gave me this favourable thumbs up at the end and said, looks like I'll have to have fish for dinner tonight. Uh, I just realised how much more work there is still to be done. Time for some community announcements. Big Sky Sanctuary near Warrigal is having a volunteer induction orientation session this Wednesday afternoon. That's July the 20th. Run Melbourne is back on again. If you run with Animal Liberation Victoria, they have a five-kilometre walk run, 10-kilometre and half-marathon option. Entry prices are from 55 to $110, and running for ALV raises funds for them. So you can also train with an ALV group in the lead-up to the day. The event's on Sunday, the 24th of July, starting at Fed Square in Melbourne. Now, ALV's part of the event is called Running for Their Lives, and it's cheaper if you register in advance rather than waiting to pay on the day. Cheltenham Cat Rescue is having a bake sale at the Lynx in Oakley South on the morning of Sunday, the 24th of July. And Farm Animal Rescue in Debra, Queensland, is holding an open day also on Sunday, the 24th of July. Please RSVP in advance for that one. Also on Sunday the 24th of July is a National Day of Action to oppose the greyhound industry. It's called the March for the Murdered Million. Actions are taking place in Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Perth, Sydney, Canberra and Hobart. Now each city has their own event page on Facebook for further details. Now each of those events that I've read out, they all have their own dedicated Facebook page. So just look them up on Facebook or wait for them to appear on our Freedom of Species Facebook page. They'll appear over the course of this coming week. The Melbourne International Film Festival has released their film program and if you're interested in seeing the Unlocking the Cage documentary, that's the one about the legal challenges that are seeking personhood for four captive chimpanzees in New York State, you might consider booking your tickets quick smart as the film festival sessions often sell out way in advance. So that film is scheduled to screen on the 31st of July and the 14th of August, both at Hoyt's Melbourne Central. So thanks for tuning in. That's it for today. Big thank you to Paul Bashir and of Monster and Men. Now you can contact Freedom of Species by email, info at freedomofspecies.org or via Facebook, or even via Twitter. I'm leaving you with another song that's used to accompany Aussie Farms factory farming footage. This one's called Sleep Baby Sleep, and it's by Broods. See you next week. Sleep, baby, sleep, what are you waiting for? The morning's on its way. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.